This show is for informational purposes only. The views and opinions expressed on this show are the views and opinions of the guests who made them, and not necessarily the views and opinions of Mozinda Umuziab. Today is Friday, 30 May, 9.32 a.m. Welcome to episode number six of Building Zimbabwe's Future. It's a weekly show where we discuss the people, the ideas, and the projects that we think are going to shape the future of Zimbabwe and that are building Zimbabwe's startup ecosystem. Joining me today is uh, my co-host for this show, Kudzai Mubaiwa. Kudzai, we missed you. Uh, welcome, Kudzai. Thank you, uh, Tawanda. It's great to be back from the diaspora. <laughs> I think we'll have a great time today. <laughs> ah, okay. Uh, and we're excited to be joined by Solomon Kembo. Solomon is one of my favorite people. He's an ideologist. Welcome to the show, Solomon. <laughs> Thanks, Tawanda. It's always nice to be here. The company of energetic people like you. Great to have you, Solomon. Just for our, our viewers, not really viewers, but listeners out there, mm-hmm. just for our listeners out there, no relation to our own Tawanda Kim, uh, but equally bright. Ah, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> that, I'll, I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. <laughs> so, Solomon, can you tell us a bit about yourself before we get into your projects, into the project you're working on? Uh, what, what do you do? Uh, okay, I am I'm an academic. I work for the University of Zimbabwe as a software engineering instructor. I train uh, uh, development, software development, software design, and we use an Asian model that we borrowed from Malaysia, which is uh, a continuous assessment based, also skills based. So our approach is such that we don't have a final exams at the end. We, we list a, a number of tasks and we assess the students based on the task and not on some final exam. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It's a very interesting concept. Um, you, did, you did mention that you trained software. Yes. Is that correct? What does that mean? Software, we're looking at programs, developing programs, developing applications. Oh. Right? Uh, applications like uh, your, maybe your Facebook, uh, your Twitter. We're looking at web applications. So Instagram, Reddit, things like that. Yeah. Oh, okay. So uh, we're hoping our students, uh, in, uh, on completion of this course, should also be able to come up with such uh, uh, applications, such programs. Right. So in, in essence, that's what uh, software is. We're just developing programs. Okay. In the project you're working on now, can you tell us a bit about that project and how you, what inspired you to, to want to start working on that project? The inspiration was a problem that uh, we are currently uh, facing at the university, and that's the problem of recruiting students. Some strange patterns have uh, emerged. Uh, I'll give an example. When we recruit students, we take students based on their A-level results. So you have an instance where maybe a, a course requires students that uh, obtain 15 points. Right? So we, we take students with 15 points, but as I'm sure you also we. Uh, there's affirmative action at times. Mm-hmm. We might also get in the same program, maybe someone with 13 or 12 points. Sure. Now, what we've observed is the A-level results do not necessarily translate to the level of performance that we expect from students. We actually have some of these 15-pointers dropping out, whilst the guys with the 10-pointers or the 11-pointers the 11 actually uh, succeed, actually get distinctions. And this is something that... That's, uh, goes against the basic assumption that if someone has 15 points, then they will cope. 
So we are trying to understand our students. We are trying to understand why suddenly we have such a, a pattern. So that's the motivation behind uh, the project that I'm working on. So we want to go back to our assumptions. Based on that, we want to use data to actually prove or disprove our assumptions. So in terms of motivation, that's, that, that problem is what motivated me to uh, start working on this research and development project that I'm, I'm currently working on right now. Oh, oh okay. A 15 points is not a very good metric because there are students like me who fail to get 15 points because they have a good writing. <laughs> I want that, I want that. The best of teachers. You say the most creative people have the most creative handwriting as well. <laughs> but, but I'm sure a great teacher should be able to pick out the content yeah, from, that, yeah, yeah. from that terrible handwriting. Yeah, 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 <laughs> I didn't make yeah, 15 that's... myself, but uh, look, I was close. <laughs> <laughs> but look, you bring out a very important point, Solomon, which is to say... Um, so unfortunate, not to discredit those that get you know a hundred percent in all of their exams, but we're saying really, and you know it's 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 a it's a thought that that's just saying, if if only all of that you know um excellence from the measure of the academics could then be translated into you know creativity. Yeah, yeah. that that would be an excellent space to be in. So what, what what in your opinion, you know, what is it that that drives you know students to to get top marks, but not quite turn that into creativity? or maybe to actually be able to tackle the next level? Right. Personally, I believe uh, the, our system right now focuses more on performance rather than knowledge. Mm -hmm. Because there is a distinct, uh, there, there, there's a difference between knowledge and, and, and performance. Mm -hmm. right? uh, you, you can have someone performing without necessarily really knowing what is taking place. Because I believe knowledge is what... Uh, Leads to creativity. Mm -hmm. You can only create if you really know what you're doing. I'm sure, sure you know the spectrum where you data, and then data is transformed into information, and then information is transformed into knowledge, and then knowledge is transformed into understanding, and then finally understanding is transformed into wisdom. Awesome. Uh, yeah. And wisdom into execution. Yeah, ultimately, <laughs> right? Yeah, because what, what, what then wisdom, okay, information is uh, what? You know what? Huh? Uh, knowledge, uh, you know how to, mm -hmm. the knowledge to know how to. So I, I believe we are not even getting to the how to, mm. right? The, the, our students know what, they can perform if you ask them what. But the how to, we are not going uh, uh, beyond, beyond our information. So that's where I feel the problem really is. We don't have the mechanisms to measure knowledge. Mm -hmm. And that's what my pro my project yeah, intends to achieve. We want to measure knowledge. Uh -huh. right? We want to be able, because we now have the tools. Maybe we've always known this problem, but we never have the tools. But now, because of the evolution of software, we, we now have software and algorithms that are capable of actually measuring knowledge. And that's what we want to apply in our, in our, in our research project. And let's get into your research project. How, how, what's your research project? How, how does it work? Right. Uh, the research project, we want to make use of technology that is called Big Data to uh, measure students' uh, knowledge levels, right? And ultimately predict, right? Our system should ultimately be in a position to predict whether a particular student is going to be successful or not. Mm -hmm. 
So, but by successful, you mean uh, that I'll be a good lawyer or a good doctor, or do you mean that I'm going to pass my exams? Our research approach is longitudinal. We want to, we are, we are going to go beyond just your campus life. We want to go be, uh, we want to even uh, mine your post college uh, performance. Mm -hmm. Are you getting the promotions? Are you getting the job? Are you performing? Sure. Right? Because we know the mechanisms, we know uh, networks like LinkedIn is a, is, is, a, is, a, is, a, is a potential network that we can use to mine that. Mm -hmm. right? So we want to go beyond just performing in college. We want to monitor what leads someone to be a great CEO, what leads someone to become a great engineer. Right? And we believe there's a Correlation again, it's an assumption that we can either prove or disprove that it is all based on the level of knowledge. And if we have mechanisms to measure knowledge, we should be in a position to actually predict that maybe you're in the wrong field, maybe you're in the right field, maybe you're going to succeed, maybe you're not going to succeed. But we want to use that, we don't want to cloud most of the research work with our assumptions because our assumptions seem not to be working. That's how we go to this problem. So we want something that is objective, and there's nothing that is as objective as data. Data will allow the data to speak on itself, mm -hmm. to show us what is taking place, to measure the performance. Right. Right. So the, the project itself is, um, we'll be making use of e-learning platforms to collect student activity, particularly the social uh, uh, interaction within an e-learning platform. And then we'll feed the data that we'll collect into an analytic engine that we'll develop based on some algorithms and some features that we feel are important and are correlated. So the moment we feed the data from our uh, e-learning interaction, we should be able to answer questions that we didn't even know that we had. We look, we're talking of the unknown unknowns. Huh? There are certain questions that we don't even know that we, we were supposed to ask. But the data will guide us to actually start asking these questions and we start getting the right uh, uh, answers. You raise the idea of things that we don't know that we don't know. Uh, and it's the things that we don't know that we don't know that are dangerous. The things that we know that we don't know are easy because we can just do research and find them. Okay, but, that sounds like a tongue twister. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but there's nothing we can do about things that, you, that we don't know that we don't know. Sure. You talked about learning analytics, not to patronize our listeners, but in case they don't know what it is, because I don't, what is learning analytics? <laughs> right, learning analytics is, we are trying to build, to bring the concept of analyzing data into learning or into education, right? Uh, and what kind of data is that? Student data, uh, we're looking at student uh, Data that relates to how the students are performing, right? Okay. The marks. So if, if I could ask, is that is this a sort of like a macro level, like all of the students together, or at individual level or both? It's or both. are you looking for a certain demographic? Okay. Exactly. It's, 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 it's done at both levels. Oh, at sure. the macro and at the micro level. Right? Sure, sure. Because at the macro level, we actually start at the macro level. Both the, at the macro level, we cluster students together. And clustering will actually help us to uh, find those questions that we did not wanted to ask. If you cluster students, you see patterns. Mm -hmm. Then as you cluster, you then start asking, why is this happening? Why is this happening? And then you try to answer those questions at a macro level. Mm -hmm. Now look at 
individual students and you try to understand what is happening. But going back to learning analytics, analytics is a concept that has always been there in business, right? For example, if you're looking at retail, uh, mm -hmm. the retail industry has mechanisms of analyzing uh, the effect of positioning a particular product in, on, 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 on a particular shelf, right? So you can analyze the effect of uh, placing a particular product on a particular uh, shelf and you, you, you generate knowledge right? by just analyzing and applying algorithms. So we want to take the same concept to say, okay, the retail industry, they, they want to understand their market, right? We might as well do the same. We want to also understand our own market and our, our market are students. So we want to bring analytics to students, to analyze our students, to understand our students and uh, hopefully, uh, if we know our students well, we'll be able to uh, come up with the uh, uh, right offering. So in essence, that's what learning analytics. We want to analyze our students. We want to analyze even our curricula. We want to analyze even the teachers. Right? So we're just bringing analytics to, to education. Going back to the research that we're doing, the research that we're doing is based on a philosophy that dates back to as way back as the 1960s. It's a philosophy known as the social constructivism uh, approach to learning. Mm. Now, what that philosophy uh, uh, suggests is that for students to really understand and uh, generate knowledge, we need to understand the context, the context in which they are learning. So before we make assumptions, we need to understand the context from which our students are coming from. But they, we, we never had mechanisms to actually realize uh, social constructivism into something concrete. But we now have the truth, we now have the technology. Uh, we can actually turn social constructivism into something real. Now, what's social constructivism? Um, I'll give you an example of context, of social and, and, and contextual learning. If you take a student from the US and if you take a student from Zimbabwe, mm -hmm. If you're going to teach them on lightning, mm -hmm. you can just go to the students, uh, in, to, the, the, to the US student, and explain to them that lightning is just an, ele an electric pulse. Huh? If you take the same concept to the Zimbabwean student, uh, and uh, they are coming from a background where they've, all along they've always known that lightning is generated by some secure someone. Mm -hmm. right? They will listen to what you're telling them, but they won't contextualize into their own setup. So they will probably, so in an assessment, they'll probably regurgitate the fact that it's an electric pulse, but the back of their minds, they know that in reality, lightning is created by some circle. So they will not be able to actually, if, if you're going to require these guys to partake in a project that is lightning involved, they will not be taking part Creatively, they won't create anything because as far as the, 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 the creation of lighting is concerned, it has to come from Mexico. Mm -hmm. So that's the, so that's the social context that we need to bring. So in our research work, in, our, in the technology that we're going to develop, we're going to try to incorporate this um, uh, social constructivism approach to learning, to say, let's understand the social context of the student. And as the students are learning, as the students are interacting, will definitely pick out that ah, this, these types of students are, believe that lighting has to be generated by something cool, right? Because we, we encourage them, we have tools like wikis, 
Sure. You can encourage our students to write wikis. And from the wikis, what they really believe in will come out. Sure. They're actually able to contribute to the broad body of knowledge by bringing in their perception about a certain thing within the context that they're coming from. Exactly. That's what the approach actually suggests, that okay. students creatively create knowledge within social interactions. Right? So that's what we want to, to achieve. We, know, we, we can now have forum discussions on e-learning platform. We can now have wikis. Mm -hmm. We can now have chats. So we allow them to actually chat maybe on some assignment and then we'll collect the data and then we'll feed it into our machine learning algorithms and they will tell us that ah, the, the guys who actually believe in uh, the guys who actually believe that lightning is created by Sekura, the ones that will get distinctions or that will, or, or the guys that will drop it. But we want the data to talk on its own. Mm -hmm. right? So that we don't make the assumptions that we've been making. Okay, so in, so in other words, social constructivism is learning which takes into account your cultural differences. Let me give an example. We know that in a lot of research has been done in this area that when dealing with conflict, uh, someone from Zimbabwe is more likely to be very passive and indirect, and someone from the state is going to be very direct. In so your face. Me, yes. Uh, to give an example, someone from, from the state who come to you and say, you are the one who drank my coffee, or you are the one who, uh, who, took, who took my money. And then someone from Zimbabwe may write you a message on Facebook and say, uh, Please, if you are the one, so so they are very, uh, they, are, they are very indirect. They are hiding behind the monitor. And, uh, yeah, and hiding behind the please. Yeah. So so social constructivism is then which takes into account our cultural differences and uh, and then tries to to teach you what you need to learn in a way which which is more relevant to you. Yes, that's true. That's exactly what we want to do. But mind you, this has always been happening. But it has been subjective because you'd have someone actually saying that, ah, I understand your social context and so on. We want to remove that person. We want the data to actually do the learning for us. We want the data, because as you've said, a lot of research is going, people have actually realized that Zimbabweans are, what did you say, passive? Yeah, they, they have an indirect way of dealing with conflict. Yeah. We call it peace-loving. <laughs> okay, we are, yes, are peace-loving people. But now we want to move a level up to say, yes, research has been done, but what is the data saying? Is that true? Is that not true? So we want the data to actually tell us. If students are interacting what they are, what, what, what they are learning, they are going to generate data. We are going to look at the data. We are going to look at the data that relates to academic uh, stuff, right? We're going to even go beyond their, their academic life. We're going to even try to get data from their social interactions, from the social media, because we now have the tools, okay. right? Without necessarily violating their privacy, right? We will make uh, use of uh, techniques or mechanisms to ensure that we guarantee privacy of our students. So one technique that we might use is to anonymize the data that we have, right? Instead of actually saying this is a particular student, we check out the specific user details and then we just look at them as objects and we are trying to understand these objects without uh, invading their privacy. Interesting. So I'm, I'm interested to know, you know, in terms of the future. Now, once you've got the analytics, um, what are the benefits that are there, whether it be for communities, nations, institutions, maybe individuals even? 
I foresee a situation where we can actually have, we can we'll generate an ecosystem where people can tap into the data that we have created. There are a lot of educational uh, companies, companies that support e-learning, companies that uh, deploy e-learning platforms. So based on the research that we would have done, these guys can actually tap into the context that we've picked up. Different people can come up with different data products. We call them data products. Sure. Things like uh, someone can come up with a dashboard, right? So that students can actually visualize, right? Okay. You can have a, an Android application that is tapping into a student's data to actually warn them to say, at this rate, you might drop out. At this rate, you're <laughs> going to pass. Because we have the information. I hope it's going to be called the dropout indicator. <laughs> yes. And by the way, it's not something that we, 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 are, we, are, we, are, we are starting. A lot of people are already doing this. A lot of, uh, especially in the Western world, mm -hmm. that, that, that have already uh, implemented this te these technologies. But we are saying we want to do it differently because the context that you have in the US or in England is different from ours. So we need to first of all understand the context. Sure. Once we understand the context, then I'm sure a lot of guys can come up with these data products. Right. So in essence, we are hoping that we can actually have an ecosystem because I understand you guys are in the business of promoting these ecosystems Certainly. and stuff. Right. So I'm, I'm actually hoping to interact with a lot of these guys that are in the educational uh, area, right? The startups that are in e-learning, that are in whatever uh, field that is something to do with education because I'm sure they have an interest in this and they, are, they will benefit from the output that we're going to have, particularly papers, because at the end we're supposed to write papers. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would want to believe that this can actually be uh, a, a platform for these guys to, to, to partake in the development of data products, of educational data products. Uh, okay, if you, if you buy a book on Amazon, if you do it two or three times, you'll start to see Amazon making suggestions that you can you might be interested in this book, you might be interested in that book. So there's some sort of machine learning algorithm at the back, which, uh, which tries to... Is, is it kind of the same stuff you're doing as well? It's exactly the same stuff. What Amazon is doing is analytics uh, in business. We just want to bring analytics to education wow. together with the context, together with our own local context. And for us, that is really key, to say whatever initiatives begin to work on in space like this should should take account of the context because then it can it can be practically used you know by Zimbabweans you know for Zimbabweans by Zimbabweans so to speak exactly so the technology is the same we just want to use the same technology that Amazon is using but we are using it to instead of recommending a book would recommend a course to say we've had prospective students who have the same profile as yours, mm -hmm. and they did well in medicine. Mm -hmm. But you, you're applying for law. Chances are you probably not make it. So we are, we are suggesting, Amazon is suggesting books, we are suggesting courses mm -hmm. based on profiles that would have built based on that. So it's the same technology. Uh, okay, and, and, and what kind of data would you take? Are you, are you analyzing my, my demographic information where I grew up? Uh, who my friends are on Facebook, uh, what schools I went to, or are you looking at, are you analyzing for sentiments inside, uh, inside assignments I produce, for example, the way I, the way I write stuff? 
can, can you pick up stuff which uh, tells you some stuff about my cultural background and uh, in my context? What kind of data would you be looking at? Since we want to take an unknown unknowns approach, it's going to be trial and error. We're going to see the effect of particular type of data to our predictive performance. Because what we want to do is we want to say, if we take this information and we try to predict what will be our performance. So we would we'll discover most of the questions as we go along. Right? We'll discover most of the questions as we as we go along and we'll try to answer them. And as we try to answer them, we'll improve our machine learning performance. So you're, you're basically starting with the scientific uh, approach where you start with the hypothesis, you use experiments to prove the hypothesis. If it's wrong, you go back. To some extent we are, but we don't want to start with a, with a hypothesis because that would be dangerous. We actually, uh, we want to... We want the data to suggest possible hypotheses. Remember, I was telling you about clustering. The class, the, what clustering does is it shows you something, and from what you see, you can actually develop hypotheses. Uh, could it be because why is it that these students are grouping together? Could it be because of this? Then we start the the the, the process of developing hypotheses. But the starting point, we want the data to actually suggest questions that we want to ask. And then from the questions we develop, those hypotheses, and it's an iterative process. We will be going over and over. We test our hypothesis. If it doesn't work, we start again. We test, and up until we have a certain set of data that we feel is reflective of our model. So we're going to collect different types of data: your demographic, demographic information, as you've said, your social interaction data, as you've said, and even data from your performance in class. And we'll just see which uh, combination of these pieces of data will give us the best predictive performance. Wow. Oh, okay. Sounds awesome. And, and who, who might be interested in, uh, in the results of this data? Well, right now I'm only thinking, I'm only thinking of maybe a parent may want to know if, are, if their child is going to pass or try to get them to pull up their thoughts if they think they are going to fail. Or a college may want to know uh, which which is the best student to uh, to enroll for for a degree program? Who else would be interested in this kind of data? I want to believe the people who are bound to benefit the most from this kind of data are recruiters, mm. employment agents, because those guys earn money from uh, recommending the best uh, recruits for companies. Sure. So if they have access to to this data, then they will know where to direct students, and they will. They're almost guaranteed that the students will perform. So I foresee uh, recruitment agencies having an interest in such a project. I foresee the government having an interest, because the government is overly responsible for the whole educational system, be it private or public, and they they have to understand what is taking place. They have to understand the, the, the students, right? And I also obviously feel that the employers might also want to direct, directly have access to some of this information. If, if they can have access to. But in my opinion, I think the recruitment guys would benefit the most from such information. Wonderful. Besides, obviously, the university. Because we're developing this for the university, but beyond the university, I foresee uh, recruitment agencies actually uh, being interested parties. You know how sometimes when people come up with you know new initiatives like, like these ones, and in the process, like you were saying, that it's a, it's a continual process of iterating, I'm thinking, there may be some unintended outcomes or some unintended benefits 
in my mind, I, I begin to suspect that there may be opportunity also to bring a, a lot of objectivity to processes that have to do with recruitment anyway. And I think in some way that could almost sort of mitigate against corruption. A part yes. of me begins to think that. Yeah, yeah. I know it's not a necessarily intended consequence, but I'm thinking it may be easier to say, look, we brought Tawanda on board here because this is what the data shows us about him. Not because the two of you are gambles. Yes. <laughs> Which is the case. Yeah. <laughs> Quite interesting, yeah. I must say. Yeah. 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 We, we call this, uh, pro, this uh, concept data transparency. Mm. There is transparency that will, wow. that will come out as a result of tr uh, trusting your data. Okay. The, the data is not subjective. So I totally agree. It will bring in some element of transparency and we will not end up with Tawanda Campbell only inviting the Solomon Campbells to... Sure, to, to, sure. To, to we really must, turn on, we must find someone called Mubaiwa to... to <laughs> well, that's making a rule that... Yeah. <laughs> Only um, if they pass through this process. Solomon, if you if you if you make a transaction at your bank which is more than ten thousand dollars, the bank will automatically start monitoring, start submitting suspicious transaction activity reports to the central bank, and uh, and this happens when you start making like uh, frequent withdrawals or. Or, or frequent deposits, which you don't normally do if you've been banking with them for years. They'll start monitoring you for stuff such as uh, terrorist activity. Well, well it's in the, the anti-money laundering regulations. Uh, can, can, can your algorithm also be used in those areas as well, to, uh, in, in industries such as banking, for instance, or, or such as sales, which are not education-related? Yeah, what I foresee actually uh, are features that should be inherent in, um, in e-learning platforms. Because mind you, we say we are using e-learning platform, platforms as a means to collect data. So you can actually measure the student's level of engagement. You can use, they are now e-learning platforms, they can have features that can actually measure your level of engagement so that we can actually monitor that this guy is not really paying attention. Right? There are e-learning platforms, there are tools within e-learning platforms that you can actually use to monitor how students are actually uh, carrying out assessments, whether they're cheating, right? Because you can actually monitor whether someone is just guessing, they're trying out all the answers. So these are some of the suspicious activities, for example, if, I'm try if, I'm, if, I, if I were to relate to your financial uh, institutions scenario, right? So the e-learning platform is the one that should actually be monitoring this, right? And then we just feed that to our platform, and then our platform will just analyze and predict or recommend or simply just uh, uh, you can simply just visualize so our way we need to incorporate this is at the e-learning platform level we can have something that is monitoring this and this it is monitoring we just put into our our into our data platform and then the data platform should be able to uh, to analyze okay wonderful and i meant to ask this sooner but what's a machine learning algorithm an algorithm is a, a number of steps that uh, you have to go through to achieve some particular goal, right? In machine learning, we are looking at... Uh, still, still on algorithms. Yes. The, the app on my phone is just a collection of algorithms, right? The, the app on your phone is there? 
just a bunch of algorithms. Yeah, An algorithm is, is then used to create these applications, right? Okay. So in essence, yes, it's, it's, it's a, a, the application is, is an abstraction of the underlying algorithm. Right. So the algorithm is the one that... So, so the algorithm is just a bunch of instructions. Yes, a bunch of instructions, yes, and steps that will enable you to carry out something. Right. Oh, okay. And then machine learning, uh, we are making use of machines or computers to actually learn, right? Uh, I'm sure you've heard of uh, 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 a chess-playing uh, computer that actually beat one of the greatest... Uh, Chess players, masters. chess masters, right? Yeah. So that's machine learning. You have a machine that is learning, right? Uh, uh, that is not programmed in a rigid way. Because a normal program, we tell a program what to do. But what a machine learning algorithm actually does is it, it, it's, it's actually learning from the interaction that it is having and it's building its own board of knowledge, mm -hmm. right? So in essence, that's what machine learning is. We are learning how to carry out a particular task with the with the ultimate objective of in increasing performance the next time we, we carry out that task, but it's being done by a computer. So in essence, that's what a machine learning uh, algorithm is. It's an algorithm that is capable of learning on its own and building its own body of knowledge, which computers rarely used to do. Or in a way, we might want to call it uh, artificial intelligence. It's, a, it's part of artificial intelligence where you have these robots behaving like human beings. Okay. I think my, my last question is to say in terms of timelines, you know, when are you likely to have probably initial data for all of this, for the you know project you're working on, so that we can sort of come back to you then and our listeners can also track to say, you know, we should come back and check out what Solomon and team have been doing. Right. Uh, at this point, we are essentially moving, trying to move the data. So our project that... I'm sure in six six months time, six months time. yeah, we'd have something concrete, something that we can actually say, ah, let's look at this. These are the algorithms that we've developed. This is the output. This is the performance. Maybe mm -hmm. it's it's only performing at ten percent, but because it's iterative, uh, we we're hoping that the next coming months it will it will it will it will improve the performance. So I, I I think just to be conservative, six months, six months from now we should have something solid actually running on the ground. Interesting. Yeah. Well done. And my last question is, you, yeah, obviously you're not going to be able to do this alone. You're going to need partners. Uh, one partner I'm thinking of is someone working on an, an e-learning startup, for instance, to be able to get data points from there. What, what other partners would you want in case some of our listeners can be able to contribute to your project? I mentioned rec uh, recruitment agencies as a potential market. So I'm looking at recruitment agents, they can come in with what they currently are using, the current assumptions, maybe they are, uh, those tests, what do they call them? Psychometric. Uh, Psychometric. So we want to collect that data. Yeah. I'm looking at educational ex expert, experts, because they've already done uh, research on things like social constructivism. Sure. Right. So I'm also looking at teachers, they have something to, to, to contribute, they have data to actually contribute. I'm looking at schools, secondary schools, because we want to start our, our, our research at the secondary level, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I'm looking at universities. They, already, they, are, they are already working on uh, e-learning platforms, and they, they, they also have data. Government has policies, right? Mm -hmm. We might also want to align these policies with, uh, and, and see what effect they, they might have on the students, right? We have cultural people, huh? Mm -hmm. So it's an interdisciplinary, we're looking at all these, and even business. 
Because business is already carrying out analytics. We might want to borrow one or two concepts from uh, how they're doing their sentiment analysis and we want to translate that as well. So all these people, I believe, uh, are essential. We've already started talking with some of these people, teachers, uh, universities, since I went for university anyway. <laughs> and, but I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to also incorporate recruitment agencies because I believe they are the real, they are the, the people that will really benefit from carrying out this contextualized uh, kind of research work. Uh, okay, Solomon, thank you for your time. We, it's been awesome. Yeah. Thank you. You've been a good guest. We will see you later at the community networking event, right? Definitely. I'll be uh, okay. Uh, we are glad you made it this far and we hope you enjoyed our show. If you didn't, please contact us and let us know why. And if you did, well, let us know as well. If you don't know how to get in touch with us, visit our website, muzindaumuzihub.com. Thank you.